Hello again and welcome to another episode of A Wee Bit of Everything with your hosts, Lewis Cleland and Clark Burrow. This week we're absolutely delighted again to welcome two special guests onto the show. So we've got another one coming on to the show this week. As always, if you see it on Instagram at A Wee Bit of Everything Podcast or Twitter at Burrow underscore Mister or at Lewis 94 we would appreciate it if you could give us a share or a retweet just to help us get the podcast out there so that others can listen to the content as well. So, Mr. Burrow, we've got two guests joining us this week instead of the, the standard one guest, so this will put a different spin on it tonight, um, looking at all things Section 3 of the National 5 portfolio. So, who have we got on for us tonight? Well, it's a, it's a learning experience for us tonight, as you say. It's the first time I've had two uh, guests on at one time, so we're slightly apprehensive, but no, we're looking forward to welcoming them on. Um, tonight, we're going to welcome Jamie Baxter and Janice Smith on to a wee bit of everything. Um, Jamie's a PE teacher at Denny High School, and Janice is a principal teacher of PE and Achievement at Smithycroft Secondary School in Glasgow. We're going to delve into how to answer Section 3 questions effectively and discuss key tips and advice that they've got for any National 5 teachers out there, and we'll make sure we get as much out of the, both of the guests as possible. So I better stop talking, <laughs> we better get them on. Right, uh, Janice and Jamie, thanks for joining a wee bit of everything tonight to share your um, knowledge and experience around uh, Section 3 of the portfolio. I'm sure this will be re- really useful for um, teachers listening in. Thanks for joining. No problem. No problem. Thanks for asking us. No, no worries. Um, it's a pleasure. Right, we'll get, in, we'll get started then. So could you give us and the listeners um, some background information on your career to date? Um, we'll start with Janice, if that's okay. Well, I graduated from Stirling Uni in June 2009, which makes me feel incredibly old. Um, but I think folks to say that I was happy to go anywhere in Scotland, but ended up getting a school 10 minutes from my house. <laughs> but out with the catchment areas, I definitely landed to connect on my feet there. That's good. And it meant then I taught at Auckland Lake Academy in East Ayrshire for around two and a half years. And I absolutely loved it, but... There was just nothing permanent coming up, so I decided to kind of make the move to Port Glasgow and mm-hmm. Inverclyde. And I was only there for about four months as a stopgap between starting my new post in Denny High in Falkirk in, in the August. But I was then at Denny High in um, Falkirk for around seven years. And within that time, I was kind of lucky enough to experience leadership roles. So I was joint head of the Denny High Dance Academy with a good friend of mine, Kirsty Old, and I did that for a couple of years and loved it, and then took on the new role of PT Raising Attainment for the Health and Wellbeing Faculty, and just, as I said, I absolutely loved my time at Denny, but I got to the point I was feeling I was ready for a new challenge, so in June 2019, I was appointed of PT PE and Achievement at Smithycroft Secondary in Glasgow, and that's me, still there now, and just absolutely loving it. Superb. Um, I think we're all we're all just getting used to the online learning and stuff as, as well just now, aren't we? But um, yeah. nevertheless, we're looking forward to the schools opening back up, and I'm sure we're still loving our job, but just a wee bit different. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm really very lucky that I've got the best department around me that are, like, solution-focused, forward-thinking, positive, yeah. so... It definitely makes my job a lot easier in this current climate, so I definitely thank my lucky stars for them. Yeah, definitely. That makes a difference having that team team effort. Well, Jamie, what about yourself? What's your sort of background then in your career? 
so uh, far? I got into teaching through the, the postgrad route. Same as me, yeah. I studied sports studies at Stirling Uni. Right. And like most people, I, I had a part-time job as a lifeguard as I went through university. And after graduating, I actually worked full-time as the pool lifeguard at Denny High School. And I used that time to assist with some of the PE classes and, and just to learn a bit about the life of a PE teacher. And that then led to me applying to do my postgrad at UWS. And when I graduated from there, I found myself back at Denny High School, this time as the probationer. Right. At the end of my probation year, one of the PE teachers retired. I was fortunate enough to get the post and I've been there ever since. So kind of in with the bricks at Denny High and various roles. So yeah, loving it. Brilliant, brilliant. Is that where the SAP conference was held? Like, um, that a... It's been held there quite a few times, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I've been up there now. Big yeah. modern school, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good yeah. building and the facilities are excellent. So um, uh, it's a good place to teach PE, certainly. Good. I think because it was one of our colleagues and friend, John Miller, that he used to work at Denny as well. So when he was involved, like you say, it was a great school. It was a bit of a central location and had it there for a good number of years. And um, it was always a great day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, has it still got the pool up there? Yeah, yeah. 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 No, we've actually been trying to chase uh, John Miller to get him on, but he's hard man to... He's a hard man. We've had a couple of dates, but they've been uh, pushed back, so we'll hopefully be lucky this year at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Keep hoping. Yeah, that's it. Right, well, we're looking at section three tonight. Um, we'll start with uh, 3A and 3B, where we can take them in the same question because it's an explained question, I, I felt, but just feel free to answer it in any way that you want that's best for you. Could you share maybe then key key strategies to help achieve maximum marks for the two explained questions at the start of section three? For, for me, question 3A and question 3B, we haven't got set acronyms as such to help answer the questions, but I would be encouraging the candidates to use the lock and key structure for the explained questions. So they need to be given the point and then going on to explain it to unlock that one mark. So for question three, which is looking at explaining whether the feedback that they received was useful or not, I would be given the example maybe of like receiving immediate feedback from others. So that gives you the point, which is your lock, but really, so what, what does that tell us? It doesn't give you the mark. So encouraging the candidates then to go on to saying it was useful because um, it was maybe like fresh in your mind and you could make the changes straight away, which mm. would give you the key to that. So together, they would unlock that mark. Um, it could also be along the lines of receiving maybe too much information for their teacher. And again, we need to want to explain that to get the mark. So maybe not useful because we're becoming overwhelmed with it. We couldn't remember it. So therefore, we couldn't make the changes needed to see the improvements. And for me, those two examples would almost be like a solid mark that would um, be given. So that's the, the kind of two that I would always refer back to when I'm, I'm teaching with my, my kids. For yeah. 3D really, explaining why it's necessary to monitor the performance development. Again, I would be using the lock and the key. So giving that point and then backing it up with the explanation. So maybe along the lines of 
allowing to see if the programme you're following is too hard or too easy, which would be your, your point and your lock. And this means that I can make the adjustment, uh, adjustments to keep me improving, which would be um, your key and your explanation. Or necessary to monitor to like track their progress, and then that means that they can then go on to check if they've made any improvements. So that would be for me um, the kind of structure that I would be using. But I'm aware that there's lots of different ways out there, and I'm not saying mine's is the only way that's right. But I'm just feeling for my candidates, and that's the kind of way that they seem to pick up the understanding of it and ultimately get the match from. I think it's a it's a really good analogy to use though. Like even like as a visual, see like in your PowerPoints next, that's what I've used like kind of through teaching the explain command board through section two and that this year. Like actually showing them like the opening statement as the lock and then even like colour coding it and stuff like that. So it's a really good analogy to actually help them see where the key needs to fit for you to, to get yeah. the mark. Definitely. Yeah, because um I was teaching it today or the other day, I was looking at three and three B and just looking at the cause and effect, but it's almost almost the same way, isn't it? Like the causes of the, the lock and then the keys effect. Mm -hmm. but I like, I like how... addressing it up, but yeah. um, ultimately we get to the same point, which is the main thing. The main thing, yeah. So see in terms of the explain as a command word there, would you how do you teach section one differently then from like the rest of the portfolio? Or I suppose you've explained that there where you've said the lock and the key, but for section one, would it still be the lock and the key that kind of way you'd be teaching it, or would you be then looking at the cause and effect? A general rule of thumb for me would be that I would approach explain questions the same, um, following the structure of the lock and the key. Right. But obviously with the, the five explain questions that we've got in the portfolio. Um, 2A being about the data collection challenges, that fits nicely with the lock and the key, given the point in the explanation. 2D about why they've chosen a specific method to gather the data, again, leads nicely for the, the point in the explanation of the lock and the key, maybe identifying strength and development needs, which then allows them to go on and create a PDP that's specific. Mm -hmm. 2G about the target setting, again, fits nicely with that structure being maybe the point of being able to set the targets can give them a confidence boost if they can see that they're doing really well and in turn would then motivate them to keep going um, and improving and 3A and 3B obviously we've just spoken about so I feel at the point in the explanation lock and key all go together with those ones however I do probably tackle section one slightly differently and I would encourage the pupils to use the acronym FACI um, for factor, activity, context and impact. And I found that adapting that structure and that acronym for that specific question helps the pupils understand and structure their answer slightly better. Mm -hmm. um, and I have noticed that with the marks for that specific question, not just in my class, but in the department has, has gone up. Yeah, and then I suppose the question for you as a principal teacher then, do you get all your classes teaching it in the same way as you, like you? Like there's always the classes use the same structure? Yeah, we did a lot of work, particularly in lockdown. Um, the first lockdown, we spent a lot of time discussing and planning and, and going through like moderation of like practice papers and things like that, so that we all felt that we were of a consistent standard and mm. that we could be making sure that we were delivering that we are consistent, so that it doesn't matter if a pupil, um, if a teacher's off for a day or a longer term absence that we know that that another member of staff can go in and pick that back up and that the kids are not going to get confused by it. 
Yeah. And you know what it's like, kids will speak to each other in different classes, they've got friends in different classes, so it's good for them that when they're talking about it or maybe revising, that they are all on the same page. Mm, definitely. You still hear me, Liz? Yeah. Two minutes. Sorry. It's maybe just blocked me out because of my dulcet tones. No, no, no. It was like my antivirus thing popped up. First time that's happened. Apologies. No, thanks very much, Janice, for that. That was really well put there. I suppose that's also why it's maybe useful to get section one out of the way, like, kind of quickly get them through that and then they'll kind of forget about the way to answer that explain question and then you can just teach the rest of it kind of consistently. Yeah, we've kind of went back and forth on when is the right time to do section one and we've done it where it's the first thing, the first question that we've done and we've also had an opportunity to discuss saying would we prefer to do it at the end when we feel like the candidates have actually got more of a yeah. depth in their knowledge and understanding of all the factors that they can then apply it but Obviously, with the pandemic we're in, we've almost kind of been limited to what we can do and the way we would like to deliver it. So it's always something that we're discussing and thinking about the future. I, it's almost something that's just completely separate from the other two sections as well, isn't it? So it doesn't really matter, I guess. It's such a big, meaty question. Aye. Um, but yeah, because we, we, we're the same as you, Janice. We we done it at the start last year and then we said we'll do it at the end this year. But then because of the pandemic, we panicked yeah. there and we got it done just before we finished up. Mm -hmm. Because it was under exam conditions, well, not not every class did, but mm -hmm. there's a couple of classes that were to do it in January. So now it's not going to be consistent unless we get back, of course, before Easter. But mm -hmm. I think they're pushing the date back, aren't they, for the estimates? So hopefully that gets pushed back to May or June. No, I think SQA released a, a new key dates, but there may well be another one after that. I'm not, not quite sure. I know. Who knows? I think we're all on the same boat, at least with that one. Mm -hmm. Did you notice a difference? Oh, sorry, I was gonna, did you notice a difference in the, the answers from doing it at the start to the to December there? Uh, that's like to be brutally honest with you, Lewis. I've not actually looked at them properly no, yet. So not analysed them yet. No, I need to mark Shocking. them. Shocking. I'm to evaluate them. Which one <laughs> You've just hung him out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes a change for him doing it to me. Honestly, any opportunity. <laughs> no, but just to round off, like my experience being sometimes with three A's that with the lock and the key, sometimes the they don't fit, fit together, if you know what I mean. So if they're given a, a reason for receiving useful feedback, like they received it straight after the session, it then allowed them to, um, you know, make changes later on in the training programme or later on in the next session. Sometimes the lock and the key don't, doesn't match up, which has been a kind of common mistake with, with my class, certainly. Yeah. Um, so it's just making sure they both marry up. Mm -hmm. I would also maybe just say about encouraging the pupils to use the word like because or this means when answering the explain questions as I feel it's quite a natural link for them um, between the point and the explanation but I hear what you're saying that doesn't always maybe marry up with really, and then that comes back to their knowledge I suppose but yeah. um, just something that I can uh, tend to use. That's good, a linking word just to connect it. Hmm, that's definitely helpful. Right, so 3D and 3E then, we'll kind of move on to those ones, just kind of work our way through. They are obviously evaluate questions and they're both, well, collectively worth 10 marks between them. What do you feel have been the, kind of, the most effective strategies you've adopted to help achieve maximum marks in this or in these questions? Or what are the, kind of, the most common mistakes that you've found? 
Um, undoubtedly, the most effective strategy for me is to use the acronym IJV, Identify Judgment Value, and I also encourage the pupils to write in the past tense. Right. So if we were to use question 3D as an example where the pupils are asked to evaluate the effectiveness of the PDP, and if we're using the acronym IJV, the first thing I'd be asking my pupils to do is identify an element of the PDP that they thought was effective or not effective. Mm -hmm. From there, I would be looking for a judgment to support the claim that they're making and then, and then to give a value. So as an example, you know, I might identify the fact that the warm-up was effective. So I've identified something in my PDP that I thought was, was good. I would give a judgment, so something that's going to go and back that up. So the warm-up was effective because it meant people weren't getting injured, which means no one would miss out in the session and, and wouldn't fall behind. And the value of that is we're not missing out on sessions, so we're continuing to improve. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that for me works, um, and that's the way I try to encourage my pupils to, to tackle 3D. And I would suggest that the, the same applies, the same acronym applies for 3E, also identify judgment value. And I think if we have all three of these in, in our answer, then we should be pretty close to accessing the mark. Yeah, I, it's about, because the one that I was, was the kind of value, reinforce and impact, which I guess is just the kind of the, the exact same thing. You're saying if something was effective or ineffective, then you're reinforcing it by just saying this was good because, yeah. and then the 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 kind of the impact bit was just your your evidence, yeah, uh, what you're trying to say. Um, but so see, Clark, you made a good point as well before we came on. So see, with three um, D, do you link it to the decision that seeing two is it two I, the decisions that you make? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you can just add in another one just to get the. Uh, the other cause marks because you can't talk about the approaches in two eyes so somebody just get into then evaluate an approach for one factor and then an approach for the other factor to make it up to the six to get the six marks but um yeah that's what i've done but and just going on to the, the second part of your question about common mistakes um we often find that pupils find it quite challenging to make a judgment on the pdp and the value of its effectiveness coming back to the PDP. And what mm. we find a lot of the time is that candidates were providing a value on performance as opposed to bringing it back to the PDP. And to be honest, I think that's quite a natural thing for them to do. They want to talk about how it impacts them in their game of football or their game of basketball, and it is quite natural. Yep. But in the example I gave, I was kind of talking about not missing out on sessions as opposed to how it then impacted me when I was playing. And it is really, really important that the value in question 3D relates to value on PDP and not on performance. And, and that, I would suggest, is the most common mistake that we, that we find. I'm finding it hard this year because they've not really went through a full training programme. Now I'm getting them to evaluate. It's just not been the same because I've not been able to do like a skill development programme. It's mm -hmm. just been fitness-based. Yeah. Um, it's just been fitness-based as well, I know. And I think that is, it is important. I think they definitely learn better when they get the chance to do it. Yeah. And when you're asking them to evaluate something that they've maybe not done, 
Mm-hmm. It can be hard for them to get their head around that. Um, but, you know, it's just the world we're in at the moment, unfortunately. But, you know, as I say, it is really important that that value comes back to the PDP and not back to, to performance levels. Yeah, I think I, I just make it explicit that you're actually evaluating things that you've gone through. But see, I had a question there. I'm not sure if you see the for 3D. Are you able to talk about data collection? Like, as are you allowed to talk about that? Methods I used to collect data, so you can get them to go through like the approaches, the length of each session, like almost like the principles. Are you able to talk about the data collection methods? Like that was because it gave me just off the top of my head. For example, it allows you to see if you're on track or whatever. Therefore, you would know. I like retesting, maybe. I allowed you to see if you were on track. Are you allowed to speak about that? I've went around the most awkward way speaking about that, but I've. It's a question I've never actually been asked before, um, and I wouldn't at the moment. I wouldn't like to to say yes say. or no. I think my personal opinion is that I wouldn't. Yeah. I would be clear of it just to take any ambiguity out of it. Um, mm. But I. Definitely couldn't give you a definitive yes or no on that, unfortunately. No, no, that's fine. It was just to, to kind of clarify that or to get your, your thoughts on it, but no, that's definitely helpful. Um, so with question 3F then, that's a, a justified question. What's your kind of, your preferred strategy of teaching this kind of question to the pupils? Like a justify um, question. For me, with the justify, you're looking for the candidates to be able to provide a personal reason. Um, in the SQA standardisation, we came up with the acronym CAR to try and give markers like a clear steer in what was expected of the candidates to be able to access the marks. So CAR stands for Current, Action and Reason. And as a teacher delivering that five, I find the structure really helpful and I know the pupils do as well. It keeps them on that kind of straight line of not going off on a tangent. So... It was also from the 2019 course report from that five, it was noted that this was a question that candidates did find quite demanding and some candidates failed to give the current action and reasoning, so failed to access the marks. They either gave one or two of the, the elements, but not all three, and that's where they were kind of falling down. So also in that one, it's probably worth noting that it's not an impact question. So there was still some evidence of candidates that were maybe responding through impact on performance rather than um, almost looking at the action and the reasons for future planning. Um, so it was kind of set out in the 2018 course report and it was clarified that understanding standards that from 2019 onwards it wouldn't be accepted anymore. So that's something that um, we were still seeing candidates kind of coming in with but just to try and make sure that we're steering them away from impact and looking at the the current action and reasoning so with that one they would be stating their current performance level the action that they would take to improve it for the future and then the reasons behind that so the personal reason as to why they've considered that aspect must be evident to access the marks as we were just saying and the reasoning can come from two things so the first one could be reasons as to why they're using the approach for future planning. So they might come out and say, I still can't get my overhead clear to the back of the court, for example. And, or they could go down the route of the reasons why they're using an approach. So they might go down the route of repetition. I can do it over and over again until um, I groove the technique into my muscle memory. 
So both of those reasons would be acceptable um, and that would be how I would kind of teach it and as I said I think the, the pupils benefit from that structure being in place. Do you get your pupils to like pick two new factors or as you said sometimes they work in their overhead clear again or does it just depend on the individual? kind of just depends on the individual, yeah. Um, I've done various kind of ways of delivering that question, but ultimately the kind of more experience I have in delivering it and depending on like class numbers and things like that as well, yeah. I try as, as far as possible just to really make it specific to the individual. That's really good, thanks for the acronym car. See with the, just on justify questions, do you, because I was looking at the, see like the, the command words on the bite size as well and the bite size page and it was saying that it was one sentence per per mark is that the way you would teach it as well would you encourage your pupils to do that or because i feel like the, the sqa criteria and then it's it's, just, it's a little bit different because that's what i've kind of been a wee bit confused with it as well not in that question obviously with that question we specifically we're trying to You're do car, but the bit. other justify question which is what it says is it to i yeah mm -hmm. decisions you made yeah. So the decisions that you made with that one, then we're looking at DER, which is the decision that you've made, mm -hmm. exemplification of that. So giving an example, and then the the reasoning again. Right. No, that's just that's that. Uh, that's interesting to know. So you would just teach it slightly differently just for those two questions, then. Yeah. Uh huh. I'm no, just trying to use that acronym structure to be able to get the information that I need to access the marks. That's definitely clarified a lot for me there. Thank you very much for that. That way, like, so what I was going to say just was, before we move on to the last question, like 3E, I sometimes struggle with the questions obviously evaluate your performance in the two factors. Do they need to provide like a before and after picture? Because sometimes like, it's obviously like that, that's what they've been developing. Is it just like what's happened now after the training programme? Or can they go back and say, here's what my performance was like in terms of... Yeah, even going back to like the marking instructions, the example that they give there is that they're much better at transferring weight during the action phase, which means pushing my high serves to the back of the court more often. So they don't need to almost go back and kind of waste time with the details. They can just literally say that I am now better. Yeah, so it's more like yeah, after the training programme. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right, so last last que well, last question of the kind of main round. Um, Janice, we'll start with you again. In your opinion, can I take it off topic? No, not off topic, but can I go away from the portfolio? Um, we always ask our guests what makes a high quality teacher. We get a lot of good feedback from uh, the listeners on this question that they quite like it and it gives them sort of tangible bits mm -hmm. of information to take away with them. Um, so, in your opinion, what makes a high quality PE teacher? Jamie and I were discussing this just before we came on and we, we ended up pretty much coming up with the same quality so we've we've kind of narrowed it down to two each but for me the first thing would be being passionate you have to absolutely love what you do um, pupils deserve to have the best opportunities and experiences that that are engaging and will allow them to thrive so your passion is what will also kind of drive you on when you're having tough days and I think we know only too well right now as we're trying to navigate through this global pandemic so mm -hmm. For me, passion is a must. Yeah, that's it, and just doing it for the kids and mm -hmm. making sure they're at the heart of everything that we do. We spend so much time 
in my work, planning for my work, like making sure the pupils have got the best opportunities and that you're there for them and you're supporting them that that you have to love what you do because as I say there's so much time that we is spent um preparing and, and things like that. Yeah, I know that's it. I would also say my, my other one was being able to self-reflect. So I'm kind of the opinion nobody's the finished article and there's always scope for improving and being better and learning more. So being able to reflect on what, why and how we do things and being able to adapt is, is a priority for me and um, being in this profession. Mm -hmm. Definitely a good, a good skill to develop a self-reflection. You listening, Liz? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, then what about you, Jamie, then? What's you up to? Um, well, on top of those two, I, I think for me, re relationships are, are key. Relationships for me are the foundation of quality teaching and learning. And if we don't have positive working relationships with our pupils, then they're not going to work with us, they're not going to work for us, and, and ultimately their, their progression is going to be limited. And I think, I think relationships are key with pupils, staff, parents, partners. Mm. The better the relationships, um, the more success, ultimately, that we're going to achieve. Yep. And I'm going to cheat a wee bit here, and I'm going to roll a few things into one, but ultimately, you need to know your stuff. You know, you need to know your subject content. You need to know your pupils. You need to have the ability to differentiate and, and meet pupil needs. And, you know, I think if you can do all of that, then you shouldn't really go too far wrong. Yeah, definitely. That's something that I reflected on, I think, during lockdown at the start was, did I know enough? And probably, being honest, I didn't. So I think um, doing your homework is important. Like, only doing what you can in the, in the school day probably isn't enough. I think you need to put in extra hours, don't you? Well, certainly, I think that anyway. Um, like attending CPD events and, and doing the podcast as well helps. So Absolutely. Like, there's so many demands placed upon you during the school day that, you don't have the time to no. fit in everything that you want to be able to know and learn and develop. So as you say, like in your own time, like we do spend so much time learning and, and kind of growing as like teachers. So I think it's um, a good point. Yeah, definitely. Right, well, thanks very much for um, the, the answers there. That was really, really helped me. So I'm sure it will help everyone else who's, who's listening in. Um, we're going to finish with a quick fire round of three. Lewis, we've not actually put on the script who's doing this. Do okay, I'll go for it, that's fine. I'll, I'll finish this off with that. So at the end of every podcast, then, um, we've got a quick fire round of three questions. And it's just for a wee bit of fun that we ask all the guests. So um, you can both answer. Uh, Janice, you can answer first. And then Jamie, you can answer um, after. So number one, if you, or it could be a collective answer if you want. If you could have a giant billboard yeah. anywhere, what would it say on it? So mine would probably say, you can't determine where you start in life, but you can determine where you end up. And that was Baroness Karen Bady, who I just love and think is so inspiring. So um, that's mine. She's the kind of inspirational quote that we have in display in the PE department. So that's the one I'm going that's for. Good. Love that. Me, <laughs> being an avid Falkirk fan, if you asked me this a year or so ago, I would have said, sack the board. <laughs> However, I'm happy at the moment that at least at boardroom level things are taking a wee upturn. So I'll leave keep that. The board. <laughs> keep the board. Right? <laughs> I'll leave that for just now, and I'll go with something inspirational as well. So how about 
you earn your trophies at training, you just pick them up at competitions. Brilliant. That's good. That's good. That's really good. That's right, good. Num- that's quite good for our, our training. We <laughs> do a lot of running, that's a good one to think about. It's all about the... I don't know if I'll be picking up much trophies, but... <laughs> that's medals. Nice. <laughs> right, number... <laughs> medals. Right, number two. Which book or books or people have had the biggest influence on your life? Well, would it be wrong for me to say writing the higher PE need to know textbook for Hodder Gibson? A wee self-plug there for John and I. There you go. Brilliant. We'll get that out there. But um, no, seriously though, like being able to like publish that book that would help pupils that sit the higher was definitely a proud moment for me. So. Is that you putting your name forward for the higher one as well? The higher podcast. Is that you putting your name forward for it? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Next. Because <laughs> a quick fire round, you're lucky you're getting away with it. <laughs> I'll, I have to admit, I'm not really much of a reader. Um, the only books I tend to have read are football autobiographies. Um, some of them tend to talk about what you should do to be successful. Others, such as Paul Merson and Co., maybe talk about what you shouldn't do mm-hmm. to be successful. But I think, I think between them, I suppose you can get pretty pretty reasonable advice between them but yeah I'm not much of a reader so anything football when you've got my attention after that I'm struggling well I think I think I'm the same for stuff like that I'm not really interested in kind of autobiographies as well the, like the, the, the Sir Alec Ferguson one yeah Secret, Secrets to Success I think it's yeah. called a leadership non-fiction of that no <laughs> no me either no <laughs> Fall asleep. Right, number three then. What advice would you give to a student teacher about to enter the working world or should there be any advice that you feel they should ignore? I would say give it 100%. Set high expectations for yourself and your pupils and get involved in as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Take on all the opportunities you can get. eh? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with that, to be fair. I think in class it's important you, you set your standards early. Um, but outside the class, like go and see what you can get involved in elsewhere in the school and, and go and get a picture of what goes on because there's a lot goes on in school outside the classrooms. So it helps the people see you in a different light as well. I think that's yeah. a I think that's important as well. And you can build relationships and help that side of things too. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't I feel, I feel very um kind of sorry for the student teachers at the moment who are obviously Kind of in this pandemic with us and, and not being able to get their placements and things like that so it's not an easy time for them just now either no definitely not it's a shame actually mm-hmm. um well i guess that kind of rounds us off nicely with tonight's episode then so thanks again to the both of you for coming on and giving up your time and um, to do that and for you jamie on such short notice that was um, yeah. good of you to join us and share your experience with us so thank you Hi, thanks for joining thanks for having us, thanks for having us. Um, appreciate your time and um, I'm sure that'll be really useful for the teachers who listen in so especially moving through the portfolio in the way that we are just now and that'll be really helpful for them well if it's not helpful then it might be helpful in terms of letting them get to sleep at night we can just put the podcast <laughs> on and you know our and that'll, that'll be there uh, no don't sell yourself short that was definitely helpful <laughs> clarified a few things up for me for sure so Well, Mr. Cleland, another episode on teaching and learning within National 5. Uh, there was, we've done a bit of feedback to the listeners and they wanted to know a wee bit more about National 5 and higher. 
So mm. we brought them some Section 3 hints and tips from... Some Section from, 3 goodies. From my, all the way from Smithycroft and from Denny High School with Janice and Jamie. So, and the dog, of course. Oh, yeah. Chomping away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll just um, round it off then and get your key takeaway message for the listeners. What's your one key takeaway message? Um, I don't know if I've got one, but just the, the first thing I'd like to say was it definitely clarified a few things for me in relation to, especially when you asked about the explain question from section one and then the rest of the portfolio, um, using that lock and, the, the lock and the key approach to accessing the mark and then obviously you're answering the questions a wee bit differently through section one, whether that be doing the point example explanation or the FACI, as Janice was talking about, with the factor um, activity context an impact. Um, so it's just, I that clarified that for me as well, rather than trying to teach them the same way. They are slightly different. So um, that was the first thing. Second thing as well was with the, the justify questions. Um, the one I think it's 2i about decisions that you made um, when planning your um, personal development plan um, using the, the acronym DER, which was decision, example, and reasoning. And keeping that just to, to one sentence for a mark. But then when you're looking at the question 3F, I think it was, mm-hmm. which was a justified yep. question for section 3, the acronym current action reason. Um, and I think that was kind of two sentences per mark. So again, just teaching it slightly different based on the question that it's that it's asking you. So that was just good to get those things clarified um, because this is, I'm still kind of um, new to the portfolio as well. Um, early into my teaching career so no I thought that was very useful but um, again I'm going to go acronym daft here because my takeaway message was for the evaluate one the acronym that I had seen before was VRI which was value reinforce and impact so the value being how effective something was kind of being your opening sentence Um, if you're talking about question 3D uh, for example the variety of approaches that you used were effective or very effective, you're putting that kind of value onto it. The reinforced part, <clears throat> sorry, the reinforced part, just kind of reinforcing what you said. So this was good, or this was very good because, and then your impact, just kind of giving your evidence um, from from what you've, from your, your training program and making sure it's from that. Um, but the one that Jamie spoke about was identify judgment and value. So it's very similar. Um, you're identifying whether or not it was effective um, you're putting a judgment on it, so why it was effective, and then the kind of the values, just your your evidence. I think I've, I'm on the right lines with that. Um, so I, it's just I think those acronyms just really give you a good structure to follow. And if you can use those acronyms and teach it that way, then hopefully all the pupils not are singing from the same hymn sheet. And it certainly helped me with um, this year using that lock and key approach for the explain questions in, in section two. That's been super helpful for me. And it seems like the pupils are kind of on the right lines and answering the questions kind of in the same way, following the same structure. So no, it's definitely useful that. What about you? What was your kind of well, my, my, message? Sorry, my acronym would be uh, TPL for that. Top man list. <laughs> TML. <laughs> what? What did you say? TPL. Oh, I can't even spell. Aye, TML. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, aye, top man list. That's oh my days. That's what I would say for that. That's been a long day of remote learning for you. I know. Another day of it tomorrow. I know. Then it's the weekend, but I'm going to stay away from the acronyms 
Uh, not because they're not great, they're brilliant, and um, I, I'm going to start using them as well because I've learned a lot for tonight in terms of that and the structure and what you were talking about there. It was brilliant for each one. Mine would be simple for three Ds out of six marks. It's a big one. It's the biggest in the portfolio. One that probably most most people as well struggle with. Um, it's quite a big claim to make, but in my experience, it is. Um, so Jamie spoke about. Steering away from the performance, a common mistake they can make is they, they talk about impact and performance here and how it impacts their, their factors, but it's actually steering away from that and talking about the effectiveness of their personal development programme. So their warm-ups, their cool-downs, the effectiveness of their uh, training approaches, um, who they trained with, how that affected them, did the training isolation. So it's more about the six-week training programme, about the sessions in themselves. And that's good advice, I think, for anybody listening um, on how to answer 3D effectively, because 3E is the one that focuses on evaluating the performance within the two factors. That clarified that for me. <clears throat> and did you understand what I meant when I was trying to, in a roundabout way, ask about the, the data collection thing? Aye. I did. <laughs> did, you, did you get what I meant by that? Like, that could be effective, like, that could be an, an effective way to see if you are on track with your training. No, so you're that, right. like, that you're method is effective and you're kind of linking it back to because that is still part of your training program isn't it you're still gathering data throughout it but um i just kind of minced the question up but do you see where i'm coming from no i don't, I don't think that I, I think you could talk about it because if you're affecting if you're evaluating the effectiveness of the, if you think about our running program right we would then retest our, our cre halfway through the training program potentially and then let our coach know what level we're at that's still part of the effectiveness of the personal development program. So you're still retesting and comparing data. So that that allows you to know if you're um, making progress or not. But then you, I suppose you could argue that that's asking that's about nice. monitoring. But it's no, but it's still it's still an integral part up in part of it, and it gives your your coach or it gives you important information to know what if you should be. PDP is effective or not? Aye, if it's if it is effective, aye. So, but I suppose we get <clears throat> kind of erring the side of caution with that one because it's not clear or set in stone but yeah we don't make up the marking criteria so certainly do not but if it was i, I would i would argue that that is still relevant but i suppose you've got to teach what gets on the mark well thanks again for listening to a wee bit of everything we hope you enjoyed this episode as, as much as we did this is something that's current it's um something that needs to get done um asap really for all the departments across the country i'm sure so hopefully you can take a wee bit away from it and um, ensure that the pupils you work with can achieve the best possible result. That's, at the end of the day, why we're all doing the job, and that was what Janice finished off with, with a takeaway message about being passionate and doing it for the kids. So this is why we do the podcast, and hopefully it's impacting teachers, and as a result of that, consequently, pupils across the country. Thanks for listening, and everybody take care. Have a great week. Bye.